Hey, hey, kids, we're a couple of annoyed grunt boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. That's right, we're the podcast that explores the American animated sitcom The Simpsons from seasons 11 and beyond, and the newest ones when they're available. Why do we do it like that? Well, an entity known as the Will of Random has trapped us and forced us to watch these episodes. I say we because I can't do this on my own. I'm one annoying dread boy named Steve, and with me, as always, is... Craig. Hello, Craig. How's it going? Steve, I'm a little under the weather. I'm sorry to hear uh, that. Yeah. So watching this week's episode while I'm sick, and then Marge is sick, (laughs) it's not great. So I'm sorry to the listeners out there if I'm a little low energy this week. But uh, I'm not feeling not feeling too hot. I think it's the seasonal change. You know, I've had the head cold and sore throats and all that stuff. Um, I did take a COVID test and I don't have COVID, but I am pregnant. Oh, congratulations on both being COVID free and child full. <laughs> but it's it's like today I'm on like the the downswing of the sickness. So it's like I've done all the the the, the pain is gone. But now I'm just like just so tired and I just want to sleep. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, that, that, that feeling where like, you feel like you've like fought a battle or you've mm-hmm. like ran a marathon and you're just like so exhausted for like a whole day. And that's where I'm at. So I'm very low energy, but I will bring forth my power and, and sally forth through this episode, Steve. You're here. Uh, I'm sorry to and hear that you're you sick, listeners. Uh, but I do appreciate you powering through and uh, we wish you a speedy recovery and. Uh... Oh, Steve. Yes, sir. I, I saw on social media, your wife. Uh, had a incident with her vehicle. Yeah, so my wife works with me uh, for now at an uh, independent grocery store. Wait, wait, at... She works for you now, or she's for now? She's your wife. For she works with me for now, <laughs> and as far as I know, she's still my wife for the foreseeable future. Knock on wood. But there's a parking garage, cool, next to our 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 building, and oh. it's a locked, secure place. And somehow somebody got into that place and broke into my wife's car and kind of pulled out the ignition. Now, the people in the car who broke in, we actually saw them leave, or somebody actually saw them left. They're only in the car for maybe 10 minutes, and they were just trying to get stuff. They didn't steal anything. They're just literally trying to steal the car. And also, a podcast called G Thanks to Spot It, which is a podcast fo- focused on uh, product reviews and whatnot, happened to hear about my wife's troubles online and sent her uh, some love. And so my wife got 800 view- new followers overnight online, and then she got 60 new orders for her candle company burrow home and so all in all this horrible thing about her car getting broke into turned out to be a positive experience and just kind of shows the goodness of people and so uh yeah it, it turned a bad thing into kind of a good thing so it was a uh, was good so what we're saying is crime does pay guys exactly um and if you want to show us the support for uh steve's wife's business it's shopburrowhome.com that's burrow b-r-o-u-g-h Home.com. Um, they have a whole bunch of candles and perfumes and body oils, uh, independently owned women business. That's what I learned this week. Uh, what about you, Craig? Big stuff going on in, in the world right now. And I don't think uh, two white American guys need to discuss what's going on over in the uh, Middle East. You know, everyone's got their own views. And uh, yeah, you got your own views. Great. But here we want to stick with the comedy. Mm-hmm. We want to make you laugh and not think about the horribleness that's going on in the world. So uh, when I think of uh, funny comedy and things that just make me laugh, I think American politics. Oh, yes. <laughs> so just this last week, uh, Kevin McCarthy was ousted as the Speaker of the House of Representatives here in the United States. Mm. Uh, 
so good on him. This is uh, an accomplishment because no one else has ever, this has never happened to anyone, right? That's true. So I got to thinking, like, how does this relate to The Simpsons? And I thought, hmm. now, Steve, uh, we're going to be doing a comedy bit here. Uh, mm-hmm. You know that scene in Back to the Future when Marty's like going to play Johnny Be Good at the end? Yeah. And he goes to the uh, the band's like, okay, I'm going to play a, it's a blues rift and be, uh, watch for the changes and try to keep up, you know, and starts playing it. Um, yeah. So keep that in mind when I say, Steve, we're doing a comedy bit here in B minor. Uh, uh-huh. Watch for the changes and try to keep up. <clears throat> All right. So I feel like Kevin McCarthy mm-hmm. is very much like Homer Simpson in the Stonecutters Club, right? Huh. He was number one, just like Kevin McCarthy was. Sure. You know, the Stonecutters at first thought Homer was a big doofus, for, mm-hmm. you know, to be in the Stonecutters. And even everyone in, in uh, the House of Representatives thought Kevin McCarthy was kind of a doofus, but he became number one. Yeah. Now, Steve, the House of Representatives here in the United States, what do they control? They control the British crown. Mm-hmm. Steve, who keeps the metric system down in this country? The U.S. House of Representatives. They and do. Steve, yeah. Who keeps Atlantis off the maps? The U.S. House of Representatives. They do. And this is very uh, uh, apt for uh, uh, our speaking point here. In this day and age, Steve, who keeps the Martians under wraps? The U.S. House of Representatives. Who's holding the electric car back? The U.S. House of Representatives. They do. Yeah. What about Steve Gutenberg? Who made that man a star? Why, the U.S. House of Representatives. They do. Let's not forget who robs the game fish on their site. The U.S. House of Representatives. And finally, Steve, who rigs every Oscar night? It's got to be the U.S. House of Representatives. So that's why I'm thinking, give Kevin McCarthy a break. He just feels like Homer right now. So if you see Kevin McCarthy, put a big old uh, stone of shame on his collar and let him walk through the streets naked. Yep. And then the rest of the U.S. House of Representatives will have their rings of power to go, whoop. <laughs> and that's what I learned this week. Wow. All that learning has made me thirsty. <laughs> I know you're sick, but it's time for our favorite segment, The okay. Simpsons Beer Corner. Now a little beer music to get in the mood. All righty, Craig, what have you got for us uh, this week? Well, in this episode, Marge gets sick. So I decided to throw up in a cup and drink it. Yum, yum. No, she talks about how she's got to make uh, some marshmallow squares for the uh, bounce-a-thon, right? Mm-hmm. So I found a beer with uh, marshmallow flavor in it. Ooh. But also, it is that season for pumpkin pie. So I got a little bit of pumpkin pie spice blend, a little marshmallow Ooh. flavoring. Mm-hmm. But also... A sour ale, which I'm not a big fan of sour ale. So really, Ooh. this might make me throw up. <laughs> That's why I went with pumpkin pie treat. It's a sour Ooh. ale with pumpkin pie spice blend and toasted marshmallow flavor. Is this my first sour I've ever reviewed on this podcast? I think so. But you're starting with a high praise because I believe that is from Prairie. <laughs> That's correct. Prairie Artist Anal Ales. It's got mm. a 5.5% alcohol by volume. Gently agitate before opening. That's usually what Steve says to women when they unzip his pants. <laughs> Or men, too. They can unzip your pants. Anybody can. Pop it and open um, the can of beer, not my pants. All right. I'm pouring it into my glass. And as I could see, it just kind of looks like a beer color, you know, amber. Yeah. Waves of grain. Sea of Ghibli. Yes. Um, it smells very sour-y and pumpkin-y-y. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I supposed to sip it next? 
Uh, give it a sniff. Yeah, you get it. Right. Uh, I'll explain the can real quick here. Um, it's uh, orange checkered background with kind of like the pumpkin pie treat and kind of like that uh, hippie-ish kind of like lava lampy font. Mm-hmm. And then you get a pie with little whipped cream on top with a face uh, on a platter. Uh, very, uh, I think it kind of looks kid friendly. It looks like, a, you know what it does? It actually looks like a, a can that you would see on the Simpsons drawn on the Simpsons, like in the background. Oh yeah. I can see that. Yeah. All right. And uh, I will take a sip now, Steve. Uh, talk to the crowd while I drink. Alrighty. So he's uh, holding the glass in his right hand. Uh, it seems his four fingers are facing one way and his thumb facing the other. He's uh, raising that glass up to his uh, lips, which seem pink, but not parched. Uh, He's closing closing in on his uh, face with the glass. It's uh, The liquid appears to be entering his mouth, touching his tongue, sitting there mo- for a moment, and then going down his throat with a little bit of a, a gulp. And uh, uh, now he refreshes, and uh, let's see what he thinks. How many people drink these sours? These are not good. <laughs> not a fan? I just, I just don't like sour. <laughs> I get the pumpkin, and mm-hmm. I like sour like candies. But, like, as you can see on my face, I got that, like, bitter beer yeah. face look. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I kind of taste the uh, I taste the toasted marshmallow. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's got a nice aftertaste. Like, if I blow my mouth, the air, my. Yeah. It's got a nice, like, graham crackery flavor. But I guess it just really hits you if you're not used to drinking sours. Um, mm-hmm. It's got a good flavor. But, man, I, I don't know how you people drink these sour ales. So I will say that I am a fan of sours. And Prairie is one of my favorite all-time breweries. And they make some great sours. I personally feel that the beer that you're drinking, which I've tried before, is an odd choice to make sour. Was it because like pumpkin in a way, it's like it's a sweet, savory kind of meal. Yeah. When you think of like sour, you want like a lemon or a lime or something like tart. Right. Right. So they've done uh, variations on like uh, Skittles that were sour. They've done Sour Patch Kids. They've done like a lemon squeezy thing that all were very effective. I don't know that making a pumpkin pie sour is the right move. So, yeah. It's almost like I have a slice of pie and then putting like expired whipped cream on top of it. This is a great time for you to venture into sour beers while you're feeling nauseated. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. They can't all be winners. And, you know, I'm just not a sour. I'm a, I'm a sour guy, but not a sour ale guy. Sure. Uh, Steve, what do you got for us this week? Uh, well, Craig, I thought I'd uh, kind of mix things up a little bit. I didn't get a beer, but I got a cider. Um, all right. And so uh, in this episode, Marge has many dreams. And so this one is called Two Berry Dream uh, from Two Town Cider House out of Portland, Oregon. It is a berry limeade uh, made with blueberries and black currants. Uh, the, the profile reads, tangy and fresh. We're coming at you with the ultimate crushable thirst-quenching cider. Enter Two Berry Dream, a cider full of Northwest blueberries, currants, and a ton of zesty key lime. Grab a can, sit in the sun, and let the daydreams begin. So it comes in at 5.3% alcohol. The can is not super kid-friendly. It shows like the silhouette of a tree and then kind of a purple and green starburst behind it with the lime floating in the sky. Um pouring it into a glass and it has a lovely kind of purplish color yeah i see the purple mm-hmm. um so give it a little sniff here yeah he's putting his nose in the glass got a little too close poured some on my nose oh, that's fine um but it smells good i can see you better you better take a sip we're okay. all shivering with anticipation oh wow it's good all right good review good review <laughs> no it's a tart without being sour probably less tart than yours the roundness 
of the berries really comes through. So it's not overly sweet, but you get that kind of gentle uh, berry flavor. Mm-hmm. You don't really taste the alcohol. It tastes almost like almost like carbonated cranberry juice in a weird way. While the can isn't kid friendly, I'd be worried if I had kids because if they tried this, they, it tastes like juice. It's, it's like you're drinking juice. Oh, really? Wow. Um, In a really good way. It's like not super sweet, <laughs> but it is a sweetness to it. And I would be afraid about like a kid like drinking like four of these just being like, oh, that's really good. Now realizing that there's alcohol in it. So right. it it's good, but uh, very, very, as they say, crushable. Ooh. All right. Well, Steve, do you want to switch drinks real quick? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, thanks. All righty, Craig. Well, that does it for the corner, but let's go back in time all the way back to the uh, date, October 8th, 2023. Uh, what were we uh, watching in the box office? I had every intention to go see this movie, uh, but I was sick, and it's The Exorcist uh, Believer. A lot of movies are doing this now, or a lot of studios are doing this now, where they have, like, you know, they did with the Halloween movies, where, like, the first Halloween movie exists, but all the sequels don't. So now we're going to make the sequel to the actual first movie. Mm -hmm. So this Exorcist essentially is supposed to be the sequel to the first Exorcist when those other sequels don't exist. Wow. And um, I was looking forward to seeing it, but uh, I haven't yet. Uh, But yeah, good good on you, uh, Exorcist. Uh, Reviews are not... uh, great on Rotten Tomatoes also it's making me a little weary but most horror movies don't like get positive reviews anyways right yeah no I've heard that it's actually I've heard that it's frightening and from the ads that I've seen it does seem to evoke the spirit of the first one so yeah and it's probably not a good movie to see when you're sick anyway because (laughs) yeah you know The Exorcist is one of my favorite horror movies and I watch it every year I've mm-hmm. never actually seen the other Exorcist sequels. I am in the same boat. I do think it's a very good movie. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, but yeah, I don't think I've ever seen any sequels. Because it doesn't need a sequel. No, it's perfectly as it is. And the book is really good, too. That being said, I wasn't uh, being possessed, turning my head, walking downstairs backwards. <laughs> um, Steve, what was the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100? Well, Craig, we've got Paint the Town Red by Doja Cat. Yeah, bitch, I said what I said. Now, is Doja Cat a real cat or? I don't think she's an actual feline. Okay. But... Okay. I've heard the name Doja Cat, but I couldn't place what she looks like. I'm, I'm assuming female. Female, yes. Quite attractive, I'd say, but also a very talented rapper. Um... Oh, Steve, Steve, you're looking in the mirror again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's me. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I always get that. We, 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 we get confused often. Uh, but no, I, I think that uh, I heard of her kind of just before she kind of broke big. Somebody in my household uh, found her, and we were watching her earlier music videos. I, I think she's very talented, and I think that uh, she has a unique voice. And I think that in a world of mediocre hip hop, she's kind of a standout for me. Um, as somebody who doesn't like closely follow the hip hop scene, so I, I'm a fan. All right, uh, that's our review. That's right. We reviewed that song. <laughs> and what a song, Steve. Oh, yes. Speaking of review, let's talk about what we're reviewing today. Uh, it's a mid-childhood night's dream in which Marge feels an overwhelming dread of the empty nest. Oh, boy. Sounds sleepy, Steve. It does sound sleepy, but uh, why don't you take a nap, wake up, watch the episode, and follow along as we do the same right after this. Okay. We'll be right back.
And we're back today. We're talking about a mid childhood night's dream, the second episode of the 35th season. It originally aired on October 8th, 2023. It is episode 752 in the show's run. Your nerd code is OABF16. It was written by Carolyn O'Meany, directed by Matthew Fahan. And your showrunners are Al Jean, Matt Selman, and Carolyn O'Meany. All right, Carolyn O'Meany. She has the distinction of being the first female executive producer for The Simpsons, but also the writer of our very first uh, review, Dylan Bernarder. And for, you know, the first three years, we said her name was uh, Caroline Omine. What did we say it wrong? How do we say it incorrectly? I think we said Omine when it's Omini. Yeah. And uh, no one corrected us until uh, one of us listened to a DVD commentary. And I was like, oh, there we go. Although we probably should have noticed when uh, we did some uh, Treehouse of Horrors because uh, they do a lot of jokes with her being a meanie. Oh, yeah. We're just pretty dumb in general. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Some of the episodes that we reviewed from her. uh, Little Big Mom, Treehouse of War 11, The Great Money Caper, Strong Arms of the Maw, A Star is Torn, Working Mom, Highway to Well, The Way of the Dog, My Octopus and the Teacher, Treehouse of War 33. Oh, and now this one. Quite a few that we haven't uh, reviewed yet. Uh, Going backwards here, The Man from Grandpa from season 32. (laughs) Looking for Mr. Good Bart, Gale of a Constant Sorrow, Halloween of Horror. What is that about? Hmm. Blazed and Confused, Lucas with the dollar symbol to cure with love, Chief of Hearts, The Great Wife Hope, The Homer of Seville, Ice Cream of Margie with the light blue hair, Smart and Smarter, Sweets and Sour Marge, and some more Treehouse of Horrors. I gotta cool. say that, like, I recognize the Homer of Seville and, of course, the Treehouse of Horrors, but I don't really know what up just the title alone what the other episodes are that we reviewed or the ones that we haven't the ones that we haven't oh yeah uh i don't either that's why i'm like halloween of horror what's that about <laughs> it's like a probably a standalone halloween episode that aired presumably yeah. before or after the annual treehouse of horror but yeah i'm excited to see what that is and how much more we have in in the future for caroline and her stories yeah this uh this show's not going away anytime soon i guess is what we're trying to say that's right uh, so we'll begin this one as Santa begins, as it always does, with Marge shopping in the grocery store, which is true because in the opening credits, that's where she's at. And that's where we see her. So a bored teenager played by Kerry Washington tells the shoppers of the PA system that the mother's love is forever. But mother's love rat poison is only on sale till the end of the day. As Marge reaches the check stand, she sees some impulse items such as bag candy, little green army soldiers, silly putty. And a big bubble from Little China bubble gun, which uh, Marge happens to pick up. You don't see the like little green army soldiers in the in silly putty in the checkout line anymore, do you? No, in fact, I'm trying to think. It's I tend to do as we've talked about too many times, uh, self checkout. Uh-huh. But um, I feel like the closest thing they have to toys at the check stand maybe Hot Wheels. Yeah, I think you're right. Are Hot Wheels still at the 99 cent $1 price point? I think around there, maybe up to like 129 but uh, nothing too crazy. I was just going to say that I was at a Dollar Tree recently, and now Dollar Trees are $1.25. Everything's $1.25. Mm-hmm. And I saw they had Hot Wheels. I'm like, wait, this is like, you go to any other like, like a Walmart, they're still like 99 cents, I think. I'm just saying, so, you're not you're not saving money getting Hot Wheels at a Dollar Tree. At Safeway.com, they're going for a dollar twenty-five. Safeway, come on. <laughs> <sighs> I thought like Hot Wheels was always that price point, like like Costco with like the dollar fifty hot dogs, like they'll always be that price. I blame Biden inflation. 
<laughs> Thanks, Joe. Not a political podcast. <laughs> I guess see former President Donald Trump playing with Hot Wheels, like on the floor going, oh, vroom, yeah. Vroom. He just crashes them all. <laughs> then he hits John Jr. with the, with the track. He's got like all his cars are like gold plated ones. <laughs> I really liked uh, the <laughs> Mother's Love. It's forever, but Mother's Love Rat Poison. That feels very much like a old, uh, maybe Conan or Schwarzwilder type of joke. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah. And it's great having Kerry Washington play a different voice. Mm -hmm. She's part of the team, not just like, here, you're only going to play Bart's teacher. Yeah, it's cool that she's such a big name, too, that she lends herself when she's needed. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I live in the state uh, she's named after. So, Kerry? (laughs) Yeah, the state of Kerry. Reporting for duty. Is that your John Kerry impersonation? Yep. Something, <laughs> something, swift boats. I'm married to ketchup. <laughs> well, Marge arrives home from uh, grocery shopping where she is met by a younger, very excited Bart who is waiting for her by the window. When Marge arrives at the door, uh, baby Lisa, sitting in Homer's arms, tells her mom that she drew her a picture. Homer confirms the artwork, saying that she drew it in pudding. So on the carpet is pudding rendition of March, complete with cookie eyes and a pearl necklace made from Homer, right? Um, I hope not. Oh, it's made from raisins, not Homer's pearl. <laughs> Where's raisins in pudding cups? I think she just had them around like it was snack time. So she had a pudding cup and some cookies and some raisins, which isn't exactly a balanced meal, but eh, whatever. It's Homer. I just remember having like those little sun kiss. Is it sun kiss a sun made? Sun made. Sun made, yeah. The little raisin box. Little red box with the yep. woman on. Yeah. And then you're like, you can't just pull one out. You just pull them out in a giant chunk because they're stuck mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Do, do, uh, I mean, I know I'm asking a question that you don't have the, have the answer to because you're not a kid and goes trick or treating. But like, do you think there's still people that give raisin boxes out to kids on Halloween? I'm sure there's got to be like some sort of like granola parent who is still. Yeah. Well, I'd rather have granola than raisins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Raisins with granola in it. No, that's now we're talking. See, Steve and I aren't weird. Like, you know, there's so many people that are anti-raisin, but uh, I'm a raisin raisin fan. Yeah, I think oatmeal raisin cookie is a very great cookie. I agree. Like, if it's done right, well, man, that's a winner of a cookie. Yeah, I mean, just the recipe that's on the uh, Quaker Oats oatmeal like Mm -hmm. carton. Just use that one. It's it's a great recipe. Classic. Did I ever tell you that story of like? (laughs) After my mom passed away, I was like, she always made oatmeal raisin cookies. I'm like, they were the best oatmeal raisin cookies ever. Mm-hmm. And and I remember she gave me the recipe, but then like I lost it. So I'm like, oh, I was bummed. I couldn't find the recipe. So then I'm just like, well, I'm just going to use the recipe that's on the Quaker Oats carton. And then I'm looking at it. I'm like, this all seems familiar <laughs> until I just realized, oh, she just used <laughs> the recipe. <laughs> I think that was also a plot point in Friends um, because uh, Phoebe wanted to know her mom's favorite chocolate chip cookie recipe. Mm-hmm. So she had Monica, who was a chef, bake like 14 batches of cookies and she couldn't get them right. And then she was looking at the bag of chocolate chips and she realized it was from a French place called Nestle Tolhus. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it was the same thing, but you lived it. That's funny. Yeah. Wow. The lies our parents tell us, Steve. Ah, they Maybe. love you. These are the cookie recipe. You're not <laughs> adopted. Um, so 
Marge tells Lisa the drawing is pretty, but they should clean it up. So fearing that they'll kill Pudding Mommy, Lisa begins to squirm and cry. So Marge allows the artwork to stay. In the animation of Lisa trying to get oh, out of yeah. Homer, again, we don't have children, but like I've seen so many babies just kind of squirm and, you know, like wanting out of their parents' arms. It was really well done in the animation on this. This is a, I'm just going to say it right now, a visually beautiful episode. I know that they're all pretty pretty, but this one especially is just visually stunning. And and the score. The music is really good. In oh, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. Homer comments that he had a similar experience when he tried to eat part of a ketchup daddy. We had Homer and eating his ketchup packets last week, and now we have ketchup daddy. Is this, <laughs> is this season 35? Like, the writers are sitting around like, let's make Homer all about the ketchup. Yeah, maybe he'll, like, next week have a shirt that says ketchup daddy. <laughs> <laughs> is that isn't that what uh, John Kerry wears? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, his wife has mustard mommy on it. Mm-hmm. Heinz makes mustard. Yeah. And then they have uh, mayo chup as a child. <laughs> Cranch. Cranch is a good name for a kid. <laughs> yeah. Do you hate your child? Do you think they're ugly? Name them Cranch. Cranch. Cranch, get in here and clean up your mess. Hey, Cranch, you want some French fries? Now we're just sound like this is one of the Splunk- Splunkler kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Marge then pulls out uh, the big bubble from Little China bubble shooter out of the grocery bag. And the younger versions of Bart and Lisa jump onto Marge, showering her with love. Bart suggests they play bubbles now and leads Marge by the hand to the backyard. Homer shoots the bubbles into the air and Bart and Lisa delight in seeing them float. Marge witnesses uh, this scene and thinks to herself that this is the perfect moment. She then begins to cry, and then things start to get a little odd. So Homer asks what's wrong, and Marge says, it's slipping away. Lisa, using her usual eight-year-old voice, tells her mother that she needs to stop. Bart then begins to float away inside the bubble, happy to be flying. Marge is trying to understand what is happening, when all of a sudden, Bart's bubble pops, causing him to disappear and soaking Marge. A sickly-looking Marge wakes up from her bed, realizing it was just a dream. No, no, don't sue me, Dracula! Oh, did you say something? I was dreaming about those bubble parties we used to have with the kids, but I was so sad. Why were you sad? Because I knew it was gonna end. I get it. That's why for me the last foot of a six-foot party sub is bittersweet. (gasps) Honey, you're drenched! It's bubble juice. Oh, honey, you don't look so good. I mean, I think you look great, but someone else, say, a doctor, might be alarmed at your pale skin that is both hot and cold. Why did we eat a Tuesday or Friday hands last night? Oh, I had three glasses of frosé. And a couple frosutty Marys. Yeah, <laughs> we got pretty hammered. I've had a frosé or two in my day, and I think they're delicious. I love a slushy, boozy drink. But the concept, and I like a Bloody Mary just fine. I I like them every now and then. But the idea of a frosetti Mary is very disgusting to me. You don't like cold tomato drink? No, I don't want a gazpacho cocktail. Uh, Well, go back to Russia, Steve. (laughs) Okay, Barney. Uh, yeah, that does not sound delightful unless it's like a hot sweltering summer morning and you need a Bloody Mary and a Slurpee. You got the froze, <laughs> frozen Mary, right? 
Yeah, I guess maybe if you made it really spicy, it'd be kind of fun. <laughs> eh. Nah, I'll pass. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Marge then remembers <laughs> that they bought uh, hot dogs from a sketchy street vendor. As Homer recalls the dogs wrapped in bacon, sizzling in a cub cap, Marge grows more and more nauseated and runs to the bathroom to throw up. And I just want to say that I like women puking. Yes, we talk about that all the time and how hot it is. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that I think that uh, we're in the era of supportive, kind Homer. Yeah. And so in that clip, when he's talking about like asking why she was feeling bad and like he was very supportive and I appreciate that. Yeah. And like the whole like you look horrible. I mean, I don't think you look horrible. I think you look great. But, you know, someone else like a doctor might see you. You look horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like covering your bases. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so as Marge pukes, she tells Homer not to listen as she wants to maintain the romance of the relationship. Uh, she then returns to the bedroom, covered in sweat, wondering why Homer didn't get sick. Homer explains that in medical terms, he's all throwed up. He then wonders if they should call Dr. Hibbert, but Marge claims that she's fine. So Homer mentions the bounce-a-thon is the following day and thinks that Marge is not going to make it. Going to make it. Homer offers to call the school in the morning to let them know that she won't be making it, which is, again, Homer concerned, like, Jerk-ass Homer wouldn't call the school. He wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but Marge is determined to go. Uh, she volunteered for the three jobs of the ptamartyr.com. It's not a real website yet. Steve looked it up. Mm -hmm. So um, as Marge curses the website, she drifts back to sleep where she dreams of playing peekaboo with Bard when he was just a little baby. So she covers him up and smothers him with a blanket and then throws him into a river. <laughs> the end. No. Uh, she... Uh, she lifts up the blanket and sees that Bart is slightly older, running away and laughing. So as a clock ticks loudly, Marge searches for her special little guy and her joy turns to worry. She hears Bart whisper, don't let go. And then she's transported to Bart's first day of kindergarten, where he grasps her hand tightly. Marge assures her oldest son that it's okay and lets him into the classroom. She then uh, discovers that she's holding on to his coat. She opens the door to the kindergarten, but when she enters, she's actually in a kid's clothing section of the department store. Bart runs under the jackets, and Marge can't seem to find him. Marge calls out for help, but is surrounded by only faceless mannequins. She then pushes a rack of coats to find teenager Bart with a wispy mustache, complaining that he's just about to beat some mutant houseflies at tennis on his uh, gaming <laughs> system before Marge interrupted him. Is that a reference to an old NES Bart game, maybe? That is a good yeah, you're probably right. Bart versus the Space Mutants, maybe. I don't know. I was just thinking that when he was playing it. Uh, yeah, that's, that makes sense. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, yeah. So as Marge cries that she lost her little boy, the voice of Homer reminds her that this is a dream. We then cut to Marge in a flower covered field next to Homer, who just so happens to be an otter saying the word beer through a didgeridoo. Otter Homer explains that in the waking world, He's not so talented at playing the traditional Australian instrument. Marge then discovers that she may have some control in this dream, just like Lisa told her. Is this one of those dreams where you know you're dreaming? There's a name for it. Somebody once told me. I'm the one who told you. That's right. I'm your inner Lisa. I remember everything Lisa ever said to you, exactly the way you heard it. Really? So you can tell me what Lisa said about dreaming when you know you're dreaming? Yep. It's a scientific concept called Lucy Dreaming. It was invented by sleep doctors from a country somewhere. Wow, she's as smart as old Sheldon. Since this is your Lucy Dream, you control everything that happens. So I'm the one making Homer an otter? Yes, 
He appears in many forms in your dreams. Dad's an otter because yesterday he was lying in a kiddie pool eating nachos off his belly. It's a table that's always with me. Sometimes Dad's a clown, sometimes a potato, sometimes a clown potato, and sometimes he's both of the property brothers. Why am I these guys? Uh, never mind, I know why. Okay, let's think about this. So it's obvious that Marge sees Homer as an otter because of the nachos, like Lisa said. She sees him as a potato because she thinks he's neat. And then she sees him as a clown because the whole crusty connection. And then obviously because of the property brothers, because she wants to get railed by the property brothers. And Zoe Deschanel is married to both of them, right? I think so, yeah. And Zoe Deschanel voices Bart's girlfriend, uh, the Spelunkler girl. Oh, that's right. Ooh, good connection. <laughs> and Marge is Marge. <laughs> she is Marge. I love uh, the Lucy dreaming. <laughs> The setup of like everything that I told you, but this is such like a a good move, a good writing thing of like, yes, parents listen to what the kids are saying, but they're not going to remember exactly everything. So right. it's just like, okay, Lisa told me something about Lucy dreaming, some couple of dead people. Sure. That's yeah. all she kind of remembers. <laughs> uh, lucid dreaming. Uh, Steve, do you ever uh, perform Lucy, Lucy dreaming on yourself? Sometimes, but it's very rare that I'm able to. I wish I could do it more, but uh, how about you? I mean, I, there has been moments where I have had like lucid dreaming, like n- not aware of done, but it's it is kind of trippy. Mm-hmm. I've had those, and then like the uh, what's the other one? The uh, the waking not is it the waking nightmares or the not no the um you know it's the one where like y- you're frozen. Oh, like sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis. Yeah, yeah. Those are pretty fun. That sounds frightening. You even had that? No. The biggest thing that I have is well, wake up. And I'll have a hard time discerning reality from what I was dreaming about. And so I'll wake up worried that I'm late for something or Mm. I need to do something or that it's daytime just because that's what I was dreaming about. Yeah. And then like you wake up and like I'm going to sweat and like your heart is racing and then like you realize like, oh, that deadline that I was dreaming of is not real. Right. It takes you like five minutes to kind of calm down and like. Like you're walking around like something traumatic happened and mm-hmm. like you don't understand. This was big. <laughs> exactly. And in your dream, it's so big and so important, yeah. even though it's just like the Kaminsky file or whatever. And you're just like, ah, <laughs> that TV show on Netflix. Yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> I think it ended like four years ago, Steve. I know. And I need to save it. Kaminsky dies at the end. Spoiler alert. I don't know. One of them. Which one's Kaminsky? One of them dies. Uh, I, don't I never know. saw the show. Michael it's Douglas? The, no, because he's still alive in real life. Okay. <laughs> Alan Arkin's probably the one who died because he's dead yeah, now. Probably. Uh, he's but probably Michael Douglas now. still has Conalingus cancer. The Ant-Man himself, Steve. That's right. Has Michael Douglas ever done a voice on The Simpsons? Oh, that seems like an, uh, an answer I should know. Um surprised he hasn't. I don't think he yeah. has. Hmm. Well, Steve will look that up. Uh, Marge then asks why she's having these nightmares about Bart. Did something happen? She then asks Otter Homer how she can examine recent memories. And the aquatic mammal version of Homer tells her that it's her Lucy dream that she can decide. So Marge opts for all her thoughts from yesterday to be stored in the oven. So then she appears in the kitchen when Marge opens the oven door where a long-filled cabinet door opens up, revealing all of Marge's thoughts such as... This cookie counts as lunch. The cat looks concerned. I'm so aware of my knees right now. Pillow is a great word. (laughs) When did I have corn? Is that guy from Dynasty still alive? I don't like pistachios. (laughs) I have manly thumbs. Sports are dumb. (laughs) These are all very human thoughts. It's like uh, March checking her uh, dumps and like, hmm, I didn't have corn. There it is. <laughs> How about that? 
Maybe uh, the pistachios look like corn to her, and that's why. Maybe. And is it because the pistachios like are green like her dress? Is that why she doesn't like them? I don't know. <laughs> if only she was alive during the 80s when they were all dyed red for no reason. Cat <laughs> looks concerned, Steve. That's it does. One. I'm worried about him. Yeah. So in between the folders marked should have worn layers, and you should have. And what stings in here? March finds one marked Bart shouting. She uh, opens it up to hear Bart yell, Mom, come quick. And then Marge is sucked into the folder, and a scene cuts to Marge carrying a first aid kit. She asks Bart what happened, and he holds out his hand, revealing a splinter. As he says that it's kind of bleeding, Marge wonders when his hands got so big, even bigger than hers. And that's saying a lot because Marge has manly thumbs. That's true. Probably from playing all that Miss Pac-Man. Uh, Marge wonders when his hands got so big, even bigger than hers. And Bart's not sure where he got his freaky big hands, but asks that Marge tweeze, please. As Marge holds uh, the hand of her son, she recalls him as a newborn and then him running as a toddler. Marge comments that it's been a while since they uh, last held hands, but Bart feels that's gross. Then nonchalantly thanks her. Steve, do you still get splinters in your hand? Sometimes, yeah. Uh, do you have Laura take it out for you? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, splinters why do you got to be that way yeah they're no fun um i used to work for a shipping company and i'd get like cardboard cuts and cardboard splinters and those suck mm. i like how it's marge running out like with the first day kit thinking someone's concerned and he's just like yeah it's just a splinter it's bleeding oh it was maybe yeah no, i don't know no, no one bleeds from a splinter no unless your name is the shredder then the splinter will definitely make you bleed for sure steve i made a funny <laughs> <laughs> A little bit too rough. Uh, Craig, we need to stop talking TMNT on AGB. Yeah. So Otter Homer climbs on Marge's shoulder, stating that the origin of her nightmares is that Bart is super rude and full of splinters. <laughs> Again, I like how she uses Homer to be just dumb in her mm -hmm. brain. Marge wonders if she's just sick of hubcap hot dogs. She then wonders why a waker would eat those since, you know, that's not really like a waker. Homer offers that the boozy slushies gave her the confidence, saying that he challenged the valet to arm wrestling, but uh, he turned out to be just a sign. Marge <laughs> then questions her conscious version's actions some more. Why was I drinking frozen wine in a casual dining chain restaurant on a school night? Uh, after our meeting with Bart's teacher, you said you needed a drink. Hmm. Hmm. Oh! Whatever Bart did will pay to have it cleaned, or replaced, or for its therapy, or... Bart hasn't done anything. I'm meeting with all the parents, even the normal kids. Oh, well, Bart is normal. I, I mean, we don't say normal anymore. I'm, I, I'm talking to all the parents. You're not special. I, I mean, you are, but... What did you want to talk about? As you know, Bounce-a-thon means we're getting close to the end of the year, so it's a good time to talk about the transition to fifth grade. You know, last year of elementary school, and then it's on to middle school, and then... Middle school? Then everything changes. Girls, acne, drugs, body odor. We talked last week about how last week's season premiere was probably set for the previous season, season 34. And uh, this episode has the code OABF16, which makes me think that this episode probably aired closer towards the end of the school year, as Miss Peyton alluded to. 
possibly, I would say, around Mother's Day. And here's my working theory is that the season finale in which Homer is like stuck in suspended animation at the car wreck might have run a little bit too similar to the dream sequence of this episode. So they thought they'd push it back. But that's just my theory. Much like how my theory of last week's episode was very much reminiscent of Hostile Kirk Place from last season. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. This would have been a a good placement for a Mother's Day episode, but also like maybe a heart wrenching episode to show on Mother's Day. That's true, too. Yeah. <laughs> we do have some more uh, thought files from Marge's oven drawer in that clip, such as stop interrupting Whoopi. Now, is she talking about the sex thing or Whoopi Goldberg? Either way, she's watching The View. Um <laughs> I'm guessing that maybe she's watching The View and she felt that, but maybe also the kids were interrupting her and Homer's intimate times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next we have, speaking of intimate times, The Rock's butt. And then, do I have to watch The Wire? You gotta watch The Wire. I think that one was for us, right? Yeah, I think so. They knew. Okay. Yeah. And finally, a no candle is worth that much, except those amazing candles from your borough home. Go to burrowhome.com. Uh, use offer code annoyedgrunt15 for 15% off your next order. Uh, that's, that's a joke for nobody because that's my <laughs> wife's uh, camel company. Uh, that's B O R O U G H H O M E dot com. That's right. This is a real website, guys. Go there, get yeah. some candles. 50% off, annoyed15. It actually works. Does it, Steve? I don't think so. I just tell her to make it work. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Actually, I think it's uh, shopborohome.com, but oh. it's it's fine. Um, you put in a free advertisement. Yeah. Shopborough Home. It's a great uh, site. They have candles, perfumes, body oils, and it's great independently owned women business. Uh, one person does it all, and that one person is my wife, and she's great. Yes, hey. that's shopborohome.com. So we have Miss Peyton, once again played by Kerry Washington, begging parents to buy their fifth graders deodorant, and like real deodorant, not the natural stuff because it doesn't work. She then warns Marge and Homer that fifth graders smell like nervous cab drivers, and then the teacher's body begins to grow and grow until she shrinks back to her usual size, telling Marge not to freak out. Marge asks uh, what she shouldn't freak out about, and Miss Peyton states that many parents feel that this is the end of their child's childhood. Marge questions if that's true, and Miss Peyton says that it is, in fact, the last year of Bart's childhood. I also love how Kerry Washington as Miss Peyton also is like towing the line of like, you know, she's saying the wrong words, but making sure she's correcting herself just like Homer did. Like, yeah, like the normal kids. I mean, your, your son's normal. You're, you know, <laughs> and I feel like I haven't been to a school in a while, like an elementary school for no reason. Just yeah. Yeah. Um, but teachers probably do have to do that. They have to like be very cautious with the words that they use for fear of parents being offended or be feeling like called out or discluded or whatever. Right. Must be hard. And yet we don't pay teachers enough. That's right. They're to educate and also to babysit. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because they spend like a third of the child's day with the, you know, with the teacher. And so yeah. they're going to shape their, their lives. So yeah, pay them more. Well, the revelation causes Marge to fold out her chair into the inky void of space. Otter Homer appears asking if Marge found out what's going on with Bart, and Marge tells him that it is about what's going to happen. He's going to grow up. Otter Homer enjoys some chips and salsa from his belly, just as he said he did earlier. Uh, Marge grows concerned. Marge then appears in a psychiatrist's office explaining a dream where Bart was four and so adorable. Marge had almost forgotten when Bart was the sweet one and Lisa was the difficult one. So the therapist listening to her takes umbrage at that statement. Uh, 
to be fair, I'm only 18 months old, so to be going through my terrible twos now is actually pretty advanced. Crap, I'm still dreaming. <gasps> I'm coming too. Yay! Aren't you sick? I thought I heard you barfing. No, that wasn't barfing. That was loud, sloshy burps. <laughs> Ugh. I signed up for snacks, so I have to make marshmallow treat. Oh, I could do this. Just have to melt some margarine. Don't worry. Super Dad is already making the marshmallow treats. Which Krispies did you use? Rice or cocoa? I'm making my own. The rice is crisping as we speak. Oh, it smells like you burnt it. No problem. I'll moisten it with the last of the eggnog. First of all, uh, we get to learn what Bounceathon is, and it's basically a race with those bouncy balls that have handles on them. I don't know what they're called, but yeah. It's weird because when you and I were in like our early 20s, we used to go to the strip clubs when they had Bounceathons. So totally yeah. different thing. Yeah. Very different. <laughs> I wonder if that's a thing that uh, is actually real. I, I mean, I have no idea. I mean, it very well could be. Yeah. Burnt rice smell horrible. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not any worse than anything else being burnt, but I think the smell of burning things is just not pleasant when you're feeling okay. sick. I don't know if like rice was a specific one that smelled bad. No, but I think it topped with like sour eggnog would be pretty gross. I have like the episode paused right to when Homer is like pouring the eggnog on it and it's pretty gross. Yeah, it's pretty chunky. Also, the animators did a great job of making Marge look very sick. Like the way that her skin is like all ashen and gray yeah. and just the sweat coming out of her dress, like, ugh. We've all been there, like, when you're just that ill and you're trying to do anything. Going back to that eggnog, though, because uh, if you say this is the end of the school year, like in May, oh. <laughs> that eggnog is, you know, from December. Oh, yeah. And it's ugh. been opened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, I haven't seen eggnog in the stores yet. Are they selling it right now? I've- I have not seen it either. I, I Probably probably a couple weeks away, but yeah, we'll probably get it. Yeah, people like eggnog. Yeah, Steve and I, again, on this podcast, we don't like eggnog, right? I do. I thought you didn't like it. So because I work in the coffee industry, there's a big deal about eggnog lattes around yeah. the December time. And I just like eggnog either straight up or with booze. I don't like it hot and I don't like it mixed with things that it shouldn't be with. But and I can only handle, handle it for like two weeks and then I'm done with it. So it's a seasonal treat for me. Like the uh, pumpkin spice beers or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, I just it's there's a time and place when you're in it, you're in it and then you're out. All right. Just like sex. That's right. Speaking of sex, Marge once again vomits, throwing up stuff she ate years ago, including possibly her wedding cake. Uh, Homer urges her to stay home. Marge agrees, but is saddened by the fact that this will be the first bounce-a-thon that she's ever missed. Homer consoles her by saying that missing stuff is the best. When he does stuff, he suffers from fear of missing out of missing out, or FOMUMO. Marge then asks Homer for a favor to take a picture of each kid giving a thumbs up at the finish line for her Bounce-a-thon memory scrapbook. Marge has made windows in the shape of thumbs up for each school year. Marge tells Bart to give Homer a nice, slow thumbs up, but Bart has some bad news for her. Mom, there's no easy way to tell you this, so I'm just going to say it. At school, I'm becoming known for taking cutting-edge, no-holds-barred comedy photos. It's true. I've heard fifth graders say so. So, what are, what are you saying? There's no way I can do a thumbs up at Bounce-a-thon. What? It will ruin the brand I've been building since picture day. My fans expect me to top inside-out eyelids and scotch tape nose. You don't understand the pressure I'm under. But this is for the Bounce-a-thon album, so you'll always remember Bounce-a-thon. But I don't even like Bounce-a-thon. 
I'm making fun of Bounce-a-thon. What? None of us kids like Bounce-a-thon. It's not very cool. Well, you thought it was cool last year. Bart, just one thumbs up, please. Mm, I'm sorry, but no. Crazy Pictures is my thing now. You should respect that this is just how I am this year. Yeah, Marge. Yeah. It's hard to be a parent, I assume. <laughs> and a child. Mm-hmm. Going through child changes. I could I see mean, Bart being a photo <laughs> poser like that. <laughs> yeah, you poser. <laughs> Look, we were all over that age where we were embarrassed to be with our parents or do things for them. And uh, Bart will grow out of it eventually. Mm-hmm. When he's 25, he'll want to hold his mom's hand all the time and take her to the bounce-a-thon uh, at the strip club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what am I saying? Steve, I think my Sudafed's kicking in. I'm, I'm getting kind of delirious. <laughs> oh, no. Marge comments that Bart sounds so mature and grown up and then bursts into tears, saying that she hates it. She then once again drifts off into dreamland where she finds herself in the dark woods. A muscular Homer who his face looks more, I guess, human-y, you know, not like Simpsonized, mm-hmm. grabs her by the hand, warning that something is coming. I also like just his outfit is like military, but then also has like Homer. Yeah. <laughs> He's still Simpsonized, but like the scruff even looks more manly and like he shaved his head. Uh, I think he looks like me. <laughs> I mean, you do wear a safari shirt with uh, Homer st- stitched over the uh, left breast pocket. Of course. Uh, anyway, so as he grabs her by the hand, warning that something's coming, they begin to run when Marge stops to say that she doesn't need symbolism. So then a bear comes charging at her, but Marge says she knows her fear and it's not a bear. Aww. And then the bear just leaves away, grumbling away, like in disappointment. It's very funny. Keep seeing there. Um, Marge says that it's not a nightmare that scares her either. It's reality. Bart is growing up and she should treasure every time he held her hand because she doesn't remember when he stopped. Oof, that's tough. Uh, Lisa, in her spelling bee stash and trophy, then appears quoting a poem from Khalil Kibran about uh, parents being bows, like bows and arrow bows, not ribbon bows, from which children are shot forth as an arrow thingy. She goes on to say that the bow doesn't feel sad when it sees how far and true the arrow flies. March says that the bow feels a little sad since the bow doesn't want to lose touch with the arrow, and the arrow has never been great about answering text messages. In the skies, we see Bo Marge texting Bart, I love you and miss you so much, to which Bart replies, okay, causing Bo Marge to to snap her string. Buff Homer tries to console Marge by saying that even when Bart is gone, she'll still have Lisa and Maggie. This just makes Marge realize that it's going to happen to them too. She then appears in an empty room where all the furniture is bigger than she is, walking through each of the, her kids' empty rooms, saying that one by one, all of her babies will leave the nest. She then walks in the living room, which is falling apart, and then we get like a slingshot, a saxophone, and even Maggie's pacifier floating in the air, the symbol of uh, the three children. The house on 742 Evergreen Terrace explodes, leaving Marge sitting on a rug all alone. Muscular Homer shows up trying to save Marge from the dream version of herself. Honey, we mustn't break awake you's brain. Remember those commercials where they show you what depression is like? A rain cloud follows you everywhere, you get sucked into sofas, and when it gets really bad, your wind-up monkey stops clapping. <gasps> Look! Look, Bart's at a playground! Bart! Bart, they have your favorite back-and-forth riding thingy! The duck Bart! Ride the duck! No! 
Okay, maybe I am being a teensy bit negative. That image is uh, horrifying and a lot of fun. Uh, of course, it's a parody of the 1991, 92 mm, hit yeah. film, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. The uh, sequel to the first movie, Terminator. And it was the only Terminator sequel ever in existence, right? Terminator 2, that was it. They never made any other Terminators after that. Nope, that was it. They realized, hey, we improved on the sequel, or on the yes. original, rather. Right. So let's sustain the franchise. Right. Exactly. There was no need to. There's no need to make a sequel to Terminator 2. It's perfect as it is, and I don't need a follow up ever. That's right. We're ever. good. Ever. Ever. Uh, but uh, I, I remember it was when I was watching that scene last night, and like when she puts her hands on the fence, like, oh, they're doing a Terminator 2 thing, aren't they? I can just tell like the music mm-hmm. is all ominous and everything. And I know mm-hmm. like we like to complain about like. Uh, no, I don't know if we really complain about like pop culture references, but that one's such like a. Uh, I'm assuming everyone's seen Terminator 2, right? I I don't know. I don't know this day and age, but like when they came out, it was a huge movie. <laughs> I mean, it's still considered like one of the best action movies, right? Yeah. I remember when I watched it, when it, you know, came out, I was probably like nine or 10. And like, I don't even know if I saw the first one, but I got it. And it was just so good. Yeah. It's a movie where you don't need to see the first one. Mm-hmm. And arguably it is. I think it's better than the first one. It's one of the very few sequels that's better than the first. Yeah. And the first one's a great movie, too. So it's like, you know, uh, it goes up there with like um, Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo is definitely better than Deuce Bigelow, male Gigolo. Sure. Right. Uh, I don't care much for the uh, work of Rob Snyder. I just care more about his politics. Good guy. <laughs> I would argue that Die Hard 3, in my opinion, is better than Die Hard 1. But I know that's not necessarily everybody's take. Uh, it's better than Die Hard 2. That's that I will agree with. Yeah. Yeah. I can't agree with you to disagree. Yeah, I understand. (laughs) So after Bart is blown up T2 style, leaving Marge as a burnt skeleton, Marge sits in the debris of her house with Homer, who now appears as a scruffy dog. After her little uh, brain hurricane, Marge accepts that her time as mom will eventually come to an end. She'll have to fill her days with a bunch of stupid hobbies. She then cries out that she doesn't want an Etsy storefront. Hey, Uh, there's nothing wrong with an Etsy storefront. Yeah. Screw you, Marge. That's uh, 25th Century Designs on Etsy.com. <laughs> Offer code annoyed 15 Doug Homer reminds Marge that it's not happening right away, and it's silly to be sad about it now. It's like going to work on time. There's no point. Doug Homer then finds the oven in the rubble and opens it up to show more of Marge's thoughts, such as... The letter G looks friendly. Not like that stuck-up letter Y. Pebble or part of my socks. Ooh, I've been there. Mm-hmm. Taco Thursday? Sports are dumb. What I should have said for Helen. What I should have said, Luann. I like Taco Thursday. Yeah, that that works for me. I'm I'm fine with two tacos in a week. Like, I don't care if the Van Hounds don't have have a problem with it. Like, hey, maybe you want like a uh, Taco Tuesday could be like your ground beef or ground beef substitute type of day. And then uh, Thursday could be like maybe a fish taco or a chicken taco or some sort of other substitute other than meat. Yeah, you could do soft tacos on Tuesday, hard shell tacos on Thursday. There's lots lots you can do. Well, Doug Homer pulls out of the folder entitled I'm Coming To, which shows Marge a scene in the kitchen where Homer and the kids are getting ready for a -a bounce-a-thon. Dream Marge watches as Sick Marge shows up saying that she's coming too. Lisa is pleased, but Bart thought she was still sick. And as we just heard her barfing. So Doug Homer pauses the scene because we saw the scene already, right? But we can Mm -hmm. see this one aspect of the scene because the table was in the way. We see Lisa and Lisa is dancing with joy. She's so excited. The fact that her mother is going to be joining her for her, the bounce-a-thon. And hopefully this new dance animation of Lisa will re- 
replace that uh, horrible GIF animation of Lisa dancing that we all <laughs> see on the internet with the belly, you know, that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. <laughs> uh, but Marge is witnessing Lisa rehearsing her thumbs up in the reflection of the oven. And Marge is very touched by this. So Marge then cynically worries that Lisa will hate bounce next year. But then Chief Wiggum appears and uh, he's there to get Marge out of that dark place. Uh, Marge is happy that uh, a bounce-a-thon means a lot to Lisa and asks Wiggum why he's in her head. Hmm. So what are you, like my feelings, boys? No, I'm pretty sure I'm here because deep down you're attracted to me. The uniform, the low center of gravity, my thick syrupy voice. <laughs> I don't think so. If anything, I'm into Eddie. Yeah, he's a beautiful man. I love that Lisa was so happy I was going to be there. I should be there for her. I've got to get to the bounce-a-thon before Lisa's childhood slips away. I think we're learning a lot about Marge in this episode that she likes to uh, fantasize about the property. Brother's probably railing her. Mm -hmm. And that, um, yeah, she also thinks Eddie's hot. Uh, what's wrong with Lou? I mean, why isn't he good enough for her? I don't know. Lou's pretty hot. My, I think so. <laughs> So Marge wonders how she can wake herself up, and just then, there's a cartoon rocket tied to her back. She then lights a match and is shot up into the air where she explodes into a giant firework. Sick Marge then wakes up and is, despite still looking very ill, gets dressed, puts on some makeup, and then throws up once more. She feels like she looks better than she ever has, right? So she makes her way to the car, vowing to be there for Lisa as she begins to drive an ad on the car radio offers a pickle <laughs> and egg sandwich from Joey Mayonnaise's Sandwich Creamery. <laughs> what a great visual description. Uh, yeah. Pickle and eggs sandwich from Joey Mayonnaise's Sandwich Creamery. <laughs> Where the hospitality is just as warm as the mayonnaise. <laughs> this causes Mars to feel ill again and attempts to uh, roll the windows down. But uh, she rolls down every other window except for the driver's side, which then she just pukes all over Ugh. yum yum mm -hmm. <laughs> so marge admitting that she ruined the car switches into a t-shirt and sweatpants and grabs a scooter from a pile of scooters uh ready to be there for her daughter i just want to say that scene is really good because when you see like when you're on the streets and you see like those you know pay scooters mm -hmm. they're always in that clump of like because one person puts one there and they're like oh, i guess this is where i'm gonna drop it off yeah I, if, have if you ever not, ridden one of those? They're not on the side. They're in the river. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I've never, never needed to use it. I find that yeah. uh, like downtown Portland itself is a very easy, walkable city. Yeah. And I hate it because when people do ride them, you're not supposed to ride them on the sidewalk. You're supposed to ride them on the road. Right. And then they get mad at me for being walking on the sidewalk. And it's just like, no. <laughs> right. I'm walking here. <laughs> Uh, so she goes to write off, but realizes that she needs to log into the app first. Oh, I gotta sign up. Okay. Username. Bounce. Mom. Taken. Fine. Uh, barf. Mom. Taken. Really? Barf. Mom. What? Oh, come on. Marge. Oh, that worked. At least everyone in town's like, oh, we better not put Marge. You know, she's probably the only Marge in town, right? Yeah, it's very sweet of them. Yeah. Do you think they could have thrown in a Bort mom? That's what I was thinking, like Bort's mom. <laughs> uh, well, 
Marge rides off on her scooter, puking at nearly every available bush she passes. She finally arrives at Springfield Elementary, where Skippinal Principal 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 Skippiner is wearing a rainbow-colored Afro wig. This is to commemorate 30 lice-free days, and they had 29, so he is just going to assume that today is going to be just fine. <laughs> he then introduces the second grade to the bounce track, as Skinner then starts to itch his probably lice-filled head. Marge makes her way through the crowd, eager to support her daughter. And she's yelling this, right? But then Mrs. Munt stops her, saying that they're all there to support their kids. Duh, Marge. <laughs> and that Marge can stick that uh, in her G-string to make the change. Just like we <laughs> saw at Bounce-a-thon. Yes. Uh, Marge... With Nelson's mom. Exactly, yeah. We uh, maybe gave enough money for Nelson to buy a new vest. Uh, Marge apologizes, saying that she's very sick. And so the other parents back away. Nelson's mom asks, what kind of sick Marge is? I like that COVID is just a reality now. Right. That's what they're alluding to. So realizing the fear of the parents, Marge states that she doesn't know that it might be a pox or a plague. So the adults all all part, giving Marge the perfect view of the finish line so that she can get a great photo of Lisa. Just that. A waft of food smells float under Marge's nose. She plugs her nose and holds her breath. But the carts selling snow cones, churros, summertime sushi... <laughs> And then hobo-prepared bacon-wrapped hubcap hot dogs are too much for Marge. Hey, we got the uh, street vendor that uh, they eat the hot dogs from. He's mm-hmm. there. It's great. I just want to see that scene of drunk Marge and Homer, like, getting the <laughs> from that guy. Uh, her face begins to turn pink, but she's adamant about getting that picture. Lisa's bouncing on her balls, giving a thumbs up. And Marge is ready to capture the image. When everything goes black, Marge is then awakened by Miss Peyton. Mrs. Simpson? Did, did I get the picture? No. I took a photo after I passed out. Yeah, we had to pry the phone from your hand. I've been kind of a wreck since our meeting. You know, when you said Bart's childhood is over. I did not say that. I would never say that. Bart's childhood isn't over. I did notice that you got very quiet after I mentioned middle school. You didn't say anything else, except to ask about happy hour at Tuesday or Friday hands. Wait, you didn't say he was heading toward girls and drugs and acne? No, of course not. Oh my gosh, it was a dream. I should have noticed that you were 17 feet tall. I ate bad things last night. You didn't say we needed to buy Bart the order next year. Oh, no, no, no. I did say that. That part is very important. Strong deodorant. Very strong deodorant, guys. That's right. So after telling Marge the importance of strong deodorant, Miss Peyton assures Marge that Bart has a lot of childhood left. After all, he scores in the 50th percentile of knowing his right and left which is not a test score that she should have said at a school function. <laughs> uh, March says that she'll be fine, but uh, March is going to lie there until the school stops spinning. Uh, March falls asleep and is once again among the bubbles in the backyard. Homer asks if she's feeling better, and she is. She tells Homer that she didn't get the uh, picture, but uh, Lisa was so happy to see her. So for now, she's happy. Homer adds that the future could hold anything, including Bart knocking up his high school girlfriend, meaning they could have grandchildren before Maggie even starts kindergarten. (laughs) 
Dream Marge likes that idea and uh, floats in the bubble until she realizes it's time to wake up. Uh, so back in Waking Life, Bart bounces to the finish line with a bouncy ball strapped to his head. When the time comes for the photo, he uses the ball he was bouncing on and the one on his head to form an ass that is mooning the camera. Marge loves her funny little guy, but the other parents gasp in disgust. Mrs. Vanderbilt, the oh lady, even faints at the sight of Bart's ball butt. Marge is happy with the pick, and Bart runs up, hopeful that his uh, crack was centered in the frame. Marge tells Bart that it was perfect and that she loved it. I love how Martin's parents are covering <laughs> Martin's eyes up. It's just like two balls. It's not well, It's not two balls. <laughs> you know, right, right. It's fake. And it's clearly like not his real bud. Yeah. <laughs> it's because uh, they're afraid Martin's going to find that attractive. I think so, yeah. Uh, it's very funny. The, uh, the, the gasping lady, you know, Mrs. Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Wonder who her kid is. She's dating, uh, uh, Agnes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> they, they would be good friends together. I think the two, like probably like judgmental people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, you know, uh, you know, licking envelopes and like, hmm. <laughs> so Bart then invites his mom played by Marge to the uh, dunk tank since the uh, gym teacher he hates is in the chair. And as I can see, it's it's not Mrs. Pommelhorse. It's the uh, bombardment guy. Coach Krupp, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. So Bart takes it, Marge's hand and it's a very lovely scene of how the episode started off with a young little baby Bart now with a 10 year old Bart doing the same thing, grabbing his mommy's hand, taking her to the dunk take to a bombardment coach corrupt. You know, she's all happy. There's like this beautiful sunset. And then Marge is like, maybe after this little bounce thon they can go uh, deodorant shopping. Oh, Bart's going to get the axe. Like he, Bart seems like an axe kid, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like she'll suggest like Mitchum or maybe even like Old Spice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's like, no, I want to be like, I want the ramrod axe spray. We didn't talk about deodorant, Steve. Uh, was before we go on break. What's your mm-hmm. preferred brand of deodorant or underarm protection? Uh, so I use uh, I use Old Spice, the not like the traditional one, but one of their newer ones. I think it's the the one that smells like the ocean. <laughs> so like salt water uh, and like uh, and dead fish, yeah, dead fish. Yeah, that smells great. And uh, yeah, and I don't use antiperspirant because uh, it kind of freaks me out. Uh, what do you use, Craig? The one I used to use was like an Arm and Hammer unscented, mm. mm-hmm. but my local Kroger stopped selling it. Or they have one, but it's like the powder, white powder form, and I don't like that kind of stuff. I like more of the gels. Right. And so now I use like Lady Secret, like unscented gel. I don't dislike that. I've used it before, actually. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I use. And like, wh- why does deodorant have to have a gender assigned to it? <laughs> yeah. My wife uses, uh, I think, that Mitchum that I mentioned. That's okay, designed for rat. <laughs> you said your wife. Yeah. Um, she uses my wife. She uses the one for men. And yeah, it doesn't matter. So that's that's our preferred deodorant brands. But I remember, you know, being Bart's age and like that was going through puberty. They're like, why are my armpits always sweating? I'm not doing yeah. any physical activity and they smell. I think you need deodorant. And then like then you're just back and your butt crack starts sweating for another uh, reason. <laughs> yeah. Back to how teachers are underpaid. I can only imagine what it's like to be like a middle school teacher after like uh, gym class. It's got to be awful. Yeah. Like because... 25 to 30 horny teenagers who just reek. 
yeah, who don't shower because we're too afraid of our bodies to go mm-hmm. shower in middle school. So after we exercise, we put our regular clothes on and go throughout the day. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Yeah. Well, pay teachers more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on that note, uh, why don't we take a break? Think about what we just saw and uh, we'll be right back. Alrighty, we are back, and we're going to finish up our talk of a mid-childhood's night dream. Uh, we'll talk about our MVJ, our most valuable jokester, what we liked about this episode, what we're watching next week, and we'll even give each other some gifts. But before we do all that, I want to talk a little bit about how this episode came to be. And uh, Carolyn Omini, the writer and showrunner, co-showrunner of this episode, posted on X, formerly Twitter, I don't know what tweets are now called, I know that some people like to call them excretions. I think that's gross. Um, I think they call them muskies. Ah, yes, muskies. <laughs> Elong boys. Elong boys. Anyway, Caroline had a thread about how 18 years ago, she was on a panel with Yearly Smith and Yearly, the voice of Lisa, obviously, asked her, as the mother of a teenage son, what advice would you give Marge, the mother of a 10-year-old boy? And she didn't have a good answer at the time, but she thought about it. And then months later, she thought... Treasure this time, Bart's still a child, but that's about to change. And so she uh, shared this thought with other moms of the boys that are the same age, and they all agreed, 10 years is the last year where your son will let you cuddle them. So cut to season 33, and they had fallen behind and couldn't take two weeks off to write a script. But she needed to take a week off anyway to fly her son to college and move him into the dorms. So she was a wreck, and so she used that time to write a script about the end of Bart's childhood. And so with the help of Matt Selman for his guidance and support, they were able to come up with this episode. I thought that was really sweet how it's so personal. And it is such a, a heartwarming human episode, which we'll get to our thoughts in a moment. But I just thought that sharing that uh, what Carolyn went through to get to this episode is really powerful. Yeah, it's the whole write what you know when they tell you when you're a writer to do that. And Caroline Omidi literally did. She's like, oh, write what you know. I know this. Yeah, yeah. And you can see it throughout the episode, and it's not even just her. It's just like, I imagine every mother watching this episode is just like, I get this. Yeah. So for gifts, you know, I could give you a lot of things, but, you know, I stopped by the grocery store, so I got you a big bubble in Little China. And don't worry, I also got you some Mother's Love rat poison. Thanks, Steve. For you, I went to a... uh necromancer thank you and i asked them to resurrect your mother so i brought your mother back from the dead oh wow and i feel like i short short, i shorted you a little bit (laughs) it's not a a perfect science yet so your mom's still a zombie okay (laughs) she's just sitting on her couch smoking cigarettes playing a video poker on her iphone that sounds about right okay (laughs) you got her an iphone though that's nice she likes all the gambling apps well the good thing that she's from the beyond so she doesn't have to worry about money because Yeah, I told her those credits are real. You know, <laughs> she doesn't know. Yeah, she'll be playing solitaire. <laughs> that makes money. Like I get ads for on TikTok all the time. <laughs> but in reality, Steve, uh, I got you some pudding with raisins. Hmm. Yum. <laughs> uh, so, Craig, who made you laugh in this episode? What made you laugh? You know, this episode wasn't a laugh out loud riot of an episode, and now it's not a bad thing. Uh, so, I think a lot of like the Homer isms are really great in her dream. And then also the uh, when she thinks lucid dreaming is called Lucy dreaming, Mm -hmm. but also Carrie Washington's return 
as the principal, then also the voice of uh, the checkout clerk or the, the store clerk, you know, through the PA mm-hmm. was great. And just her stumbling over, like making sure she says the right things. I'm going to give it to Carrie Washington for, um, you know, really just kind of, we've seen her once and it's the second time. But now I feel like just with the second episode, we've kind of like get an essence of who that character is. Mm-hmm. And and it's nice because it's a departure from Krabappel, who's like who does care about who did care about the kids, but doesn't come off like she does this one. Like she cares about the kids and she tries to show that she cares about the kids. So I think that's especially now in today's society where, you know, back when we were kids, the idea of like teachers were kind of like nonchalant towards the children, like, the yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we're just kids. We're not people now more parents and you know we're out of that phase of parenting where kids are now the precious most precious thing that we have and you have to treat them every you know you know what i'm saying it's like there's a yeah <laughs> there's a lot more uh, uh sensitivity for raising children you know and unlike our days when it was just i don't know the kids somewhere who cares yeah whatever <laughs> back when america was great yeah we'll get there again in 2024 <laughs> I do appreciate that Miss Peyton does have like hope and is like trying to just help people and not so cynical. So that is nice. Um, and even like Homer is funny in it and he's not cynical jerk ass Homer. He's he's sincere Homer too. And he's trying to help. And I like that about it. Yeah. And we still get to see Homer be dumb, like with the Rice Krispie treats, but he's trying exactly. so hard. And I yeah, I like that. Um, I agree with it. With everything that you just said. And I also have to shout out to Marge. And just her perception of like what Lisa says. Also, when she's getting the uh, scooters, she's trying to find the name and like barf mom is taken. And (laughs) I think I thought that was funny. And just her imagination, like her imagining Homer as a potato and a clown and a clown potato. Him as an otter is really funny to me. And him as like a loyal puppy is good. And as the Property Brothers, too. So I think I'm going to give it to Marge. But uh, yeah, just uh, like like you said, not maybe not the funniest episode, but I think a quality episode. And saying that, uh, what are your general thoughts on this? Yeah, just because it's not the funniest episode doesn't mean it's not an amazing episode. And it really is. It's a great episode. You have Caroline, who is a mom, who's experienced this. And I bet like if this episode was pitched like in the early first seasons the men in the the room are like no no one wants to watch a marge episode we need bart and homer and i'm glad that she got to write this episode i'm glad they produced it because i think this is a side you know women are 50 percent of the 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 world right Mm -hmm. and from a mom's perspective like what an amazing episode i mean we're both not mothers but we can still relate to this because we've been kids yeah and we've known how jerk ass we've been to our parents going through puberty and especially moms who you know a lot of moms you know like their kids apparently Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is just like the music the the directing the animation everything was really beautiful in this episode and i won't lie i shed a tear at the end of this episode and yeah i've asked for like heartfelt episodes and i got it this episode would be a great mother's day episode but also it wouldn't (laughs) (laughs) so i imagine some of our listeners out there if they're your mom's out there like uh this must be a great episode i mean or sad episode maybe hard to watch like you know we talk about is this a rewatch it is but it isn't like (laughs) i think if you want to feel something watch this episode if you don't feel anything after this episode there might be something wrong with you so this is um i'll say it right now steve i think this is the best episode of season 35 wow Yeah. yeah 
think you might be right so far. I can't say any more about how just wonderful I thought this episode was. The, just the the beginning with young Bart grabbing for his mother's hand and ending with him uh, grabbing Marge's hand. Uh, just everything fit together. It was mm-hmm. uh, well edited. Yeah, just what an amazing episode. Um, and this is what I want to see more of. You know, I, I take chances, take risks. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like about The Simpsons is they could do stuff like this, especially with 35 years. Like, just go all out. Just do something like this. Uh, amazing episode, Caroline, and the rest who are involved. Uh, if I gave this a ranking, we see the curdled eggnog and um, store-bought eggnog usually lasts about five to seven days refrigerated when it's been opened. Canned eggnog can last four to five months mm. or around five to seven days after opening. So we're, we're looking about... When you open that uh, thing of uh, eggnog, it lasts about a week, so seven days. So out of seven, I'll give this episode a seven. Yeah, this uh, episode is nothing short of a work of art. From the visual cues, the coloring, the acting, the writing, just truly a heartfelt episode that never felt forced. Just a beautiful expression of not only the parent-childhood relationship, but just humanity. I think we all go through life where you care so much about somebody and then they grow apart and you just feel so bad about losing them. I think that this just is a beautiful example. And there were many episodes, many times in this episode where I was close to crying. Like even when Marge is watching herself in the dream and uh, she sees Lisa dancing, looking at a reflection in the stove and she's just like so happy that mom's coming. I thought that was just such a sweet moment. And like you said, we're not parents and we both have lost our mothers, but I think that it's such a universal experience to grow apart from your parents and that parents longing to reconnect with you. And when you do, it's it's so beautiful. The Simpsons can do a lot of things like we've seen them have parodies of uh, cable shows. We've seen them, you know, do big epic things. And this is just a really cool thing because they did so much with such a simple storyline, and uh, I just cannot say enough good things about this episode. This is the best episode of season 35 so far, and it's just like, it's up there for me. It's like one of the best episodes, and it is, it's definitely a rewatch, and it is, like you say, a hard rewatch, but uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just great. I can, I, I recommend it, obviously. Um, Just, wow. I'm just, I was amazed by it. Um, In fact, uh, usually when I watch these episodes, I watch them on Hulu at midnight. I happened to go to bed last night early, and then I woke up at three in the morning, so I was kind of in a dream state. A Lucy dream? It was a Lucy dream, yes. <laughs> um, so I watched it in the dark. Not really, I mean, I knew the ep- the title of the episode, but I wasn't really sure what the episode was. And so to watch it in that state when I was kind of half awake uh, for the first time was really powerful. And then I, I watched it several times since then and now, and it's just, I don't know, it, it's great. You know, we talk about the voice actors and Kerry Washington was great. I think that Yearly did a great job. Bart was great as, you know, a young child and grown up. But I, th- I just really want to take a moment to think about Julie and how much she values Marge as a character. Uh, there's a clip I saw recently of her on David Letterman when The Simpsons first started. And she refused to do Marge's voice because she didn't want anybody to watch it to ruin the allure of Marge. And I think that as the time goes on and the voices kind of change or alter or whatever, I think that it's just how much, you know, she has become Marge over the past 35 years. So it's just great. So lucid dreaming or Lucy dreaming has been talked about ever since like Aristotle, um, but it was first kind of noticed and dictated in Oxford and uh, Stanford universities in 1975. So out of 1975, I'm going to give this a 1975, just a solid episode all around. Beep, beep.
Yep. Well, that's uh, a big shoes to fill for next week, uh, which uh, surprisingly is not a new episode. They're taking a week off. Were they like, uh, let's put this one on because it'll be like, drop the mic and walk off the stage. Yeah. Show rerun. <laughs> I think it was. Uh, I think like they, we, we can't, we can't follow this up. Right. So yeah, we need to take some time apart. So that means that we at the 138 Sips podcast will have to go to that entity known as the Wheel of Random to find out what we're watching next week. So let's bring it out and give it a spin to see which season we're in. Ba-doop. Oh, Steve, it landed on season 20. Season 20. Oh, boy. All righty. Let's give it another spin to see which episode we're watching. Episode 8. Season 20. Episode 8. I spun the wheel, so you have to look it up, Steve, because I got a guess, don't I? That's right. Uh, so I've got it here. Uh, what do you think the title of the episode is? Ah, season 20, episode 8. Um, well, this week's episode was a mid-childhood night's dream, which, of course, is a reference to a Midsummer's night dream from Shakespeare. So I'm just going to stick with a Shakespeare title parody because they've probably done them all. So let's think here. I'm going to look at some Shakespeare. Hmm, let's go with the Mochent, the Mochent of Venice. The Mochent of Venice. I like that. I can see that episode in my hat and my head. And I, in your I, hat. I can see it in my hat. Um, I like what I'm watching. But uh, sadly, that is not the title. Uh, the title is The Burns and the Bees. Ah. The Burns and the Bees. Craig, what do you think that episode is all about? Well, I think Mr. Burns gets rid of all the birds in Springfield, and then he goes around to every beehive and fucks it. <laughs> and the bee story is Gary <laughs> Seinfeld uh, starts dating Lisa. Uh, that's funny. I like that. Um, you're not entirely. I mean, you got a lot of words that I'll say correct uh so when lisa discovers that honey harvesters across the globe are dying out she sets on a crusade to save them unfortunately her hopes rest on mr burns to fuck all the beehives so yeah i don't have any recollection of this episode and it's weird because like season 20 is that monumental season because it's got to 20 Mm -hmm. i also remember season 20 being kind of like a dud season yeah, so this one was written by Stephanie Gillis, which we've talked about before, um, and it kind of harkens back to the one with the uh, the six packs and the fish and Lisa's fish cannery. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, little Lisa slurry. Exactly. Yeah. So this okay. aired on December seventh, two thousand eight. So yeah, I look forward to checking it out, and uh, I hope you check it out as well, uh, listeners. And thanks so much for listening. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And if you want to contact us, you can email us at 13simpsons at gmail.com. And hey, if you're so kind, go to your favorite podcasting app, leave us a review, and five stars are the equivalent. But you don't need to write a real review. Just tell us uh, about your parents' love. And check us out on the socials, like uh, Instagram at 13simpsons. Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash at 13simpsons. Uh, we got T public site, tpublic.com slash user slash annoyed grump boys for some merch. And... If you want to contact us via voice, just go to the podcasting app, scroll through the show's notes, and it says leave a voicemail. And you can easily do that on your smart device or a computer. As long as you got a microphone, you can talk to us. That's right. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell an enemy. Tell your mom and- to listen to this podcast. 
For this week, I've been annoyed Grunt Boy Steve. And I've been annoyed Grunt Boy Craig. And remember, don't sue me, Dracula. And remember, moisten it with the last of the eggnog. Who's my crack-centered? <laughs>